Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Civic Sound, a podcast all about life and leadership. Today I am joined by our very first guest uh, on, the, on the show and uh, it's Pastor Andy Hauser all the way from Hillsong, Brisbane Central. Yes. Andy, great to have you with us today, mate. Mate, it is great to be here, driving up the range. It was how, awesome. How was the drive? It was um, It was great. I remember, like I was saying, I remember doing it as a kid, and uh, it definitely felt like that range was a lot longer, yeah. um, but it was a bit of a breeze today. So my little uh, my little Corolla got up the hill just fine, so it was well, great. Very pleased to hear that, it mate. It was great. Andy, uh, tell us a little bit about your history, your yep. background, where yep. you're from, yep. what you're about. Yes, yeah, so I was uh, so born in Brisbane. Um, so uh, so born in Brisbane, 1990. So I'm 30 years old, and um, I grew up like uh, just south of Brisbane. Um, went to school down there, played sport down there, and been involved in church my entire life. Uh, my grandparents uh, were some of the founding people uh, of what was Garden City Christian Church. Um, so mum and dad always been in church. Um, yeah, so grew up in our youth ministry. Loved playing soccer. Um, kind of done that my whole life. Uh, and then um, came on staff at Hillsong Church uh, in 2012 um, as our junior high youth pastor. So, um, yeah, it's been uh, almost nine years now and I absolutely wow. love it. So a, a few different roles across the time. Uh, four years ago, got married, married Jade. Um, one of, she, not one of my high school sweethearts, my high school sweetheart. Um, <laughs> so we actually met in, um, met in year five at school yeah. and then I didn't see each other for like six years after school and got married, got two kids, got Harry. Harry Hendricks Heiser is his uh, is his name, and he's uh, two and a half. And then Charlie is Charlie James. She is uh, one and a half. So awesome. yeah, man, got a so got a full life, and um, yeah. So currently, right now, like serving with Nick and Sarah at Prison uh, Central, and look after essentially look after um, our, our young adult age groups at Mount Cravat. Um, so S- sounds like you got a very full life, mate. Yes, I yes. think I first met you a couple of years ago um, at Hillsong, yep. and it was when you were the youth pastor. And I guess yep. probably what struck. Uh, me about you was your genuine authenticity passion for people just yeah. loved people yeah. wanted to serve people wanted to see people do well but yeah. more than that or not more than that but on top of that also discovered that you're a massive Liverpool fan <laughs> yes uh, which I am too and it's been yes. a great year for Liverpool fans obviously it has um, but you're also a, a Broncos fan yes yes um, I am in the in the Telstra Premiership so you know you're ticking all the right boxes there for for um, why I think I like you so much and, and why <laughs> we've got you on the show you're a Broncos fan Liverpool fan and you're a people fan that's it as that's well it. um you're a you're a pastor at hillsong and um I, I guess hillsong church um needs no introduction to a lot of our listeners and to a lot of our uh, viewers the thing that i've always observed and identified when it comes to hillsong church is there's a real pioneering spirit behind it yeah um they always uh you guys always seem to be i guess on the cutting edge um, and, and leading the way in terms of um, the local church and more than that, I know one of your um, real mandates around your conferences is to champion the local church and I've heard Pastor Brian and Bobby speak on that on, mm-hmm. on a number of occasions. But what I love about Hillsong and Hillsong people really is um, they seem to always be out in front in terms of pioneering but then they're, they're never selfish with it mm-hmm. um, and there's a real generosity that comes along with Hillsong Church in just wanting to see not just Hillsong do well, but also churches and and people do well in all the different spaces and spheres that we operate in. Um, I think along with that comes a real contentment 
mm-hmm. um, where you guys are just happy to, to run your lane yeah. and you're not necessarily concerned about what other people uh, are about, although you're passionate about the endeavors of, of um, other churches. Could you just speak into that just, mm. just for a moment about yeah. how you guys have really tapped into that idea of being content, you know what, let's just do our thing. Yeah. And even for you personally, um, as a leader, as a pastor, mm-hmm. as a as a dad, um, and as a husband of how you've you've journeyed through that yeah. and understood that idea of contentment. Yeah, yeah, I think it, um, it it really for us when it comes to our church, it comes back to like our mission statement. We want to build a large Christ centered Bible based church that reaches and impacts people, um, and would lead in every sphere of life. And and for us. Um, like Pastor Brian talks about it so often about that idea. Hey, you know what? We want to reach people. We want to influence people. We want to help them lead and impact in every sphere of life. Um, and so, um, really, that's what we get after. We're, all we're trying to do is we want to try and reach people for the gospel. We want to try and help people. One of my one of the big things I love. I love helping people go. Um, you know, maybe come into our church or come into our whether it be our, you know our leadership pipeline, and and maybe they're they struggle in this area or that area, or maybe they. Um, you know, haven't got it all together when it comes to their employment or whatever it might be. Yeah. But taking someone along the journey, seeing them, um, you know, recognize and realize that um, a life with Christ is the best life we can live. Right. Yeah. Um, but then also seeing them take like massive steps forward in their uh, in their careers, in their relationships. Yeah. I have like a great privilege at the minute. Um, I guess being like one of the young adult pastors, um, I'm starting to see a lot of the young guys that have grown up in our youth ministry yeah, start to cool. get married. Yeah. And um, so like we've uh, I've done you know multiple weddings this year. Some of them like in backyards, like under yeah. hard COVID restrictions. <laughs> but seeing um, seeing these young guys like make a decision with their life and and really go on go on that journey with them has been a great highlight for me um so I, I think like we we are we're really content with you know what this is what we're called to do as a church um we are called to reach people we're called to influence people and um and we just we want to get about that and so um one of the big things that we do is we, we take it really personally when it comes to our department and yeah. um so for the kids ministry we want to reach young kids and we want to reach their families and we want to reach and we want to help them become the best leaders they can be in their primary schools or whatever it might be all yeah. the way through um yeah i think it's something that pastor brian has developed in us um and I think as well, um, you know, as a young as a young pastor, I was quite young when I started at at, uh, at church on staff. I, I grew up in our youth ministry and grew up um, like as a as a volunteer leader and a yeah. volunteer pastor. Um, and I, I quickly learned. I had one of my oversights at the time, James Turner. He's a pastor, our pastor on the Gold Coast, legend of a guy. Great guy. Yeah, legend, legend. And um, and he just really instilled in us young guys, hey, you know what? Like, run your own lane. Be yeah. confident in who God's called you to be. Um, and uh, and and I guess that um, you know him instilling that in, in myself and a few other young guys has just helped us so much. Go, you know what? This is who we're called to be. Um, we are going to run our lane, and we're going to do the very best that we can. Um, yeah. So that that for us has been um, yeah, super super helpful. Do you think? I mean, obviously, in a lot of ways, um, we often emphasise it with young people about running in their own lane. Yeah. But it can also be a real, I think, trap for even older people. Yep. To fall into this idea of comparison, particularly you know when you get to. Um, sort of transitioning maybe out of that that young adult season and maybe into young families or or that middle age and we start to look at where am I at with my career, where I'm at with my family, Mm -hmm. with my assets, with, you know, whatever else I'm trying to acquire and we sort of look across the fence, so to speak, and we start to see other people and how they're living life large Mm. and we can really start to feel like we've missed opportunities or that real FOMO, the fear of missing out. And so then we start to make some really drastic changes and and just – 
radical decisions which often don't lead to fulfillment hey yeah yeah absolutely i i um I think the quote is, I mean, I've probably heard, I've probably heard it many times and I'm not sure who the original person is that they quoted it, but we then, we often make decisions to impress people that we actually don't like. Wow. Um, and if you, if you boil it down, we can then, um, you know, we see it all the time. I see it all the time, especially with our young adults, but even young families, like we're a young family and, um, you know, whether it's got friends that have, you know, buying homes or buying investment properties or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, they are advancing in their career. Um, we end up making decisions that ultimately we're making these decisions to impress people that we actually really don't like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or that, that, that really aren't going to have much impact or benefit on us. Right. Um, yeah. Which I think is it is absolutely a trap. Uh, it's something that um, you know we we and as as pastors you would know we're not exempt from that either. Yeah. We we the comparison of other pastors and other churches and what other people are doing um, it's a real thing. Um, but I would go back to one of the things that um, I guess has been instilled in us is we've got to know who we are, mm. know what we're called to do, yeah. and get a, and just get about doing that. Yeah. Um, and I found and, that and celebrate other people's success. Oh, absolutely, you know? yeah. I think in, yeah. in in church world we can often be so guilty of you yeah. know when when it's not going well for the church down the road then we can celebrate that yeah. right. But yeah. I mean when when no one's winning in the kingdom no one's winning. No, right? Absolutely. And so when, if, if things are going well for the church across the road or yep. th- across town then we should yep. celebrate that. Yeah. Um, and yep. so that's something that I found really liberating mm. in even in my journey is when something good happens to another person celebrate that and yeah, and awesome, it actually man. it frees you up. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like like we talked about before, um, I think Pastor Brian and Bobby have just built this culture um, where we where we want to champion the cause of the local church everywhere. That's like the yeah. the mandate of Hillsong Conference, yeah. um, and they've built this like yeah um, this culture where um, you know previous to uh, being a part of Hillsong um, Church, they just it just it almost was a little bit foreign to us mm. that this idea of like oh we like we champion local churches everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I guess over the years of being a part of Hillsong Church, you just realize it's such a better way to live. Hundred um, percent. When we sell, and we've like from I guess that position that you know the the decision that Pastor Brian and Bobby have made, I then have inherited great friends and mm. um, you know I've 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 gained so much from their um, decision to actually want to empower yeah. other churches, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're we're all for it, man. We um, love it. I think one of the one of the parts, um, perhaps the, the negative parts of being a pioneer yep. and, and leading the way in, in so many respects is that can often draw a fair bit of negativity, yep. um, a fair bit of um, criticism, mm-hmm. um, generally unwarranted criticism or unchecked criticism, um, and just general cynicism as well. And I think I think it'd be a fair statement to say that that Hillsong has had their fair dose of that both. Within church circles and outside church circles, yeah. um, I wonder. I mean, as a pastor of of Hillsong, mm. um, how have you sort of, I guess, processed that yeah. um, as an individual? Um, but then, how how do you guys process as as a team when you see you know a media report perhaps with false information or yeah. unchecked yeah. information? How yeah. do you guys deal with that? Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of times I will write a massive response or a <laughs> caption on my Facebook or Instagram, and before I hit send, is it usually think, caps lock in red? <laughs> it's yeah. definitely caps lock with lots of exclamation marks, um, and then I'll delete it and I'll just think it's just not worth it. Mm. Um, uh, but oftentimes it's like, a, um, if I'm being honest, it's a conversation with my wife where Jade will be like, because um, I I just I hate. Um, I shouldn't say hate, but I do. I hate when Pastor Brian or our church is dragged through the media mm. um, or portrayed as somebody, or even Steve Dixon's happened to Steve a few times yeah. where he's, um, Steve's like a like second dad to me. He's my yeah. spiritual father. Um, where you're like, that is 
completely false and not not the man that um, that you're portraying him to be. Yeah. Um, so I'm I get I get pretty passionate about it, yeah. um, which is sometimes not a good thing. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I've um, we've been again we've been really really comfortable and confident in ourselves that this is what we're called to do. Yeah. Um, and I think anyone that's been a pastor for you know twelve months realizes that um, the honeymoon period w- wears off pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but we like we genuinely just love people, and we know that um, we know that when we're advancing the kingdom of God, when we're helping people, and when, really when we're um, we're causing people to live a different way, or maybe encouraging people to live a different way that's bigger than themselves, we know we're going to get opposition. Yeah. Um, which is you know that's just a, a reality of, of what we're doing. Um, but we always go back to you know what this is who we're called to be, and we're going to keep. Um, we are going to keep pioneering. We're going yeah. to keep trying to change the way we do things and keep trying to, um, you know, stay on the cutting edge. Uh, for us, that is like, that's just so crucial to who we are. Um, but yeah, it's a, um, it's something that I definitely don't get right all the time. Yeah. I did, I did actually have um, a conversation with a good friend of mine, one of our leaders in our church recently about, um, you know, like um, I kind of went through my Instagram feed and, um, I would say there's probably a lot of people that share the same opinions or views on, uh, you know, whatever it might be, whether it be sport, politics, uh, fate, whatever it might be. And I was challenged by this friend. He's like, um, it's actually not a bad thing to have people that are like completely opposed to you, Um, whether whether it be you know sporting teams. I don't follow too many other people that 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 don't follow Liverpool, but they're um, not worth following. That's right. right, That's right. They're not worth following. Um, So. that or whether it be when it comes to faith or when it comes when it comes to uh, politics, and I've actually found like I, I've recently started following some people that share a completely different mm. view to me. Com- like, and if anything, they've like they've probably attacked uh, faith or they've probably attacked some things that are really close to me. Yeah. Um, but it's helped me get a real, I guess, a real understanding of this is what those people are grappling with. Yeah. This is what these those people are. Uh, you know their thoughts and. And um and like sometimes like I literally had the conversation with my wife a couple of days ago. I'm like I don't know why I'm following these people, yeah. but it's a good thing. Yeah. Um and it's helping me to appreciate where people are coming from, and it's helping me appreciate. You know what? This is maybe where um some of the criticism is is birthed at. Yeah. Um. So that that for us is um it's a bit of a real thing at the moment that we're that we're yeah. going through. But yeah. I, th- I think I think you touched on a real important point about seeking to understand someone else's point of view. Yeah. And it would appear to me that. In, in modern culture and modern society, we've almost lost the art of that. Yeah. We've lost the art of conversation. We've lost yep. the art of, of debate even yep. where we sort of our, – our default is just to go to dishonouring and just go to name-calling yeah. as soon as someone disagrees with me yep. or I disagree with them. And I think you're dead right in terms of looking at other people's views and seeing what they're dealing with and seeing how they see the world. Yep, absolutely. Um, you, you may not agree with it, but that doesn't – negate the fact that they're a human being yep. they've got value yep. and they and they have an opinion yeah um and so let's talk about that but yeah. i think if if we only gravitate towards people that we like that mm. sound like us that look yep. like us yeah um then we live a pretty one-dimensional kind of um worldview and so yep. to, to get out and view other people um i think is really important the other thing i think that I, I, you've said it a couple of times today mate is this idea of being really secure in who you are. Yeah. Um, and I think that would be especially true in, in a leadership context or a church context, but even just as as a person. Yeah. Um, when you know who you are, um, it means that you might have negativity and criticism come up against you, but if you're secure in that, then you can keep your eyes on the prize and you can keep walking forward. Um, but when you're sort of, you, you get tossed to and fro by everyone's different opinion and mm. now I've got to appease that person and now I've got to win the approval of that yeah. person, 
A, I think you lose your identity and who yep. actually am I? Yep. And it's just an exhaustive way to live your life, right? It's yeah, just totally. so tiring trying yeah. to please everybody. Yep. But when, no, this is the direction that I believe I've been called to and I'm mm. going to walk, um, I think, yes, I'm going to cop negativity and yes, I'm going to cop criticism and yes, people are probably going to say their, their two cents, but I know who I am, yep. I know what I'm called and this is what I'm doing. So. Yeah, I know, like, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think um, maybe the... Maybe a bit of an old-fashioned word, um, but I think it's so important that um, like we live by our convictions yeah. and working out exactly you know who it is that you want to be, who it is that um, you know what it is that you want to achieve with your life, um, and having some really strong convictions. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, I think we touched on it before about the whole idea of um, you know different people advancing their career, life, their finance, whatever it is. And um, yeah, Jade and I, you know, we're we're having a conversation recently about our finances and um, we're like kind of making some tough choices, but it it it. It, the base of it was our conviction is this yeah. is we, we want to do this with our finances we want to be able to do xyz and so we're going to have to sacrifice here to make sure that our convictions stay strong right um and i think it would be the same when it comes to you know the opinions of others now you know what i'm going to have a con- I'm, my conviction is that i'm going to live my life this is me me talking yeah um i'm going to live my life according to the word of god so what, yeah. the, what the bible says about me is how i'm going to live my life so an opinion could come or, or negativity could come but if that if that if that doesn't line up with what I feel like I'm called to do, and yeah. what, what the Bible says about me, um, I'm, 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 yeah, I'll hear it, and yeah, I'll take it on board, but I'm not going to apply that to my life. And yeah. I think it's, I think that whole idea of working out now, whether you're a young adult, young married, whether you're a, you're a retiree, like having some strong convictions about life around, uh, you know, around a whole bunch of different areas. Yeah, um, I think it's just so important. Yeah, convictions are key. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, I think everybody's got an, an opinion. Yep, but I think a lot of us need more. Uh, backbone than wishbone yeah you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, let, totally. let, let's get a conviction let's stick to it yeah um absolutely bro let's change a bit of a, a different uh tune yes uh you are the the chaplain if i think i've got this right yep. you are the chaplain for the brisbane broncos the mighty brisbane broncos <laughs> the mighty brisbane broncos yes. um po- possibly not so much in season 2020 yeah. <laughs> um let's just talk about that for a moment mm. because how did you come about that role as being the chaplain yeah so um i, I remember it so clearly i remember thursday um like a Thursday afternoon, um, Sports Chaplaincy Australia, which essentially endorses our chaplains to um, the major sporting codes right across Australia through semi-professional up into the elite athlete yeah. um, programs. Um, they reached out to our church um, and said, hey, we've got a vacancy at the Brisbane Broncos. And I got the call uh, to say, hey, um, there's an opening at the um, Broncos. Who would be good for it? And was so, it like the equivalent to being called up to the to the squad almost? Yeah, that kind it, of phone it pretty call. pretty much was. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much was. Um, one of the things you need to know about my family: my dad um, is a like a lifelong Broncos fan. Yeah. Um, I think the happiest day of my dad's life wasn't the birth of his first grandson; it was the day he, his son became <laughs> the chaplain of the Broncos. Um, we definitely bleed Bronco blood in our Sorry, family. Harry. Sorry, Harry. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, Harry. Exactly. Um, so I got a phone call, and I literally was rattling off a whole lot of names of people. And Nick said to me, "Like, oh, do you want to do it?" And automatically. I'm like, oh, I'm pretty young. Like, you know, you've got people like Darius Boyd who um, a legend of the game. Um, like, how, how do I help that guy? Yeah. Oh, how do I even, uh, you know, be the chaplain for someone like that? Um, and Nick's like, no, you should go for the interview. So I had the interview on the Friday um, with uh, the chaplain that was finishing up, um, a previous chaplain and uh, the welfare officer. And uh, on the Monday, got the phone call, like essentially to say, "Hey, come in and meet, come in and meet everybody." Mm. Um, and so, um, yeah, met the welfare officer Adam Walsh, who's an absolute legend. Um, I think he's got the heart, one of the hardest jobs. I think welfare officers got the hardest job in the NRL. Okay, um, they they deal with a whole lot of stuff. Um, we can touch on that in a second. And then um, 
uh, and then yeah, met met the uh, met a lot of the players that first day. Uh, rocked up, did not know what I was doing, um, and met the CEO Paul White, and uh, from there, yeah, been there. So I was there um, for Wayne's last year. Yep. Um, and then yeah, have been through. So this is this will be my third my, my third year. So. And so pr- primarily, your your function and your role is to look at the well being of not just the players, but yeah. the whole families of, yep. of players. And yeah. And so the common misconception is that a chaplain is the players' chaplain, um, yep. but we're with a club chaplain. Yeah. So everywhere from the girl that works on the front desk um, to the guy that's strapping the players to the person in the admin team, uh, yep. the events team, and and then to the captain as well. Yeah. Um, so we we primarily our, our our role as chaplains is the welfare. Yeah. Uh, we work within the welfare team, the welfare of the players outside of football. Um, they're getting especially in the elite um, setting. They're getting all the support care. Um, analytics they need when it comes to football i don't need to tell them how to kick a footy or yeah. pass a ball um that's not my role but my role is to come alongside them and help them hey you know they might be struggling with a death of a family member with um moving interstate being homesick um being dropped from the team um a whole lot of range Just of things life issues, yeah, really. yeah so yeah. we come alongside them as an as another support network um alongside the welfare officer yeah yeah very cool yeah let's talk about season 2020 yep. as, as a chaplain of of the club <laughs> Um, for those that, that don't follow NRL or don't follow um, the Broncos, um, it was our first year where we've ever received the wooden spoon, so yep. bottom of the ladder. Yep. I think we only won three games yep. in total. One, two at the start, and so things were looking really, really optimistic, and then the wheels sort of started to come off a little bit. And so obviously a really tough year for a very proud club, yep. um, a, a one-club uh, city in yep. Brisbane, and so there's obviously a lot of support. Um, one thing that I um, observed and identified, and I guess this is probably the the dark side of, of social media, is um, just a lot of negativity mm. and hate on obviously the official um, Broncos pages, but also on the unofficial stuff as well. And yeah. you know, I think that's that's probably um, part of Australian sport, really. Mm. When you when your club or your team's not doing well, we often um, sort of just you know start to slag off on them. Um, but just, just even even more so, people just abandoning memberships and yep. I'm never going to follow this team again. Yep. You know, you're, you're worthless, you're gutless and all that, all those kind of comments that we um, saw. I want to talk to you about this idea of sticking with people mm. during a really difficult time. Yeah. Um, and there was more than just the results not going the Broncos' way. I know that you're uh, good mates with Jermaine Asako mm-hmm. and they had a death in, in his family. And so as a chaplain, I imagine... Um, it was it was quite a taxing year for you. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It um yeah nothing like the Broncos Instagram to get you fired <laughs> up or for a bit of a giggle. Yeah. Um, but no, you, you're absolutely right. It is um it's been yeah uh, yeah really rough year. Um, a whole lot of people that I didn't know had my number have messaged me a lot of times. Yeah. Um, especially after those big losses. Um, but but it, it's been one of those um years where it, it has been um you know throw COVID in the mix and everything that's gone on. Um, it's been a bit of a shocker. Yeah. Um, but um. Yeah, like one of the, one of the things that we like, my wife and I have just we made a decision that despite um, how a, how a player or how the team goes on the field, we want to be there to support um, the guys and their yeah. family. Um, like I can remember earlier this year, uh, might, might have been around four or five, we we sat watching the footy um, with a player's partner while mm. her partner was playing, and he made a mistake, and like automatically the Instagram like lit up mm. and, and she was like on the Instagram um, and we got, almost had to like, hey, don't just don't look at it. It's just not worth. Um, yeah. But that, that's that's the reality, um, which which just sucks. Um, yeah. But um, – And I think, I think a lot of people 
overlook that. Yep. Um, not just in sporting arenas, but in any arena yep. of life, really, yep. when someone makes a mistake um, and perhaps they are in a position, you know, and I, I think sometimes the argument is, you know, they get paid to to play sport yep. um, and, you know, they're in a privileged position and, yep. and, and for sure. But what we've also got to understand is they're human yeah, and absolutely. they make mistakes yep. and they have off days just like you and I do. Yeah. The, the difference between me and you having off days is we're not surrounded by a million people watching yeah, us, right? Yeah, and yeah. so, and we're not judged on 80 minutes in our work week. Exactly. And exactly. If, 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 uh, if we were, I think sometimes we would um, would probably. I wouldn't want to read those Instagram <laughs> yeah, comments, exactly. put it that way. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. No, it, it um, yeah, it is. It's one of those things that, um, yeah, unfortunately, it's just a real dark side of, of being, uh, you know, I guess being a professional athlete. Yeah. Um, these guys cop it because they are on such a pedestal. Um, but we have like, um, in and amongst like you, you obviously talked about um, you know Jermaine's dad passing away uh, as a chaplain we, we often talk with our with our chaplains across um, the NRL we we have like a meeting once a month and um, we get together and, and the um, one of the guys always says that a chaplain's um, most valuable moments are when people are in crisis yeah um, which is like I guess a death of a family member is is, is probably the the highest crisis someone can go go through and um, so when Maine's dad um, like suddenly passed away. Um, yeah, every, everything else stopped, and that was all we all we wanted to focus in on. And so we did everything we could to care for them, the family. And you know, he's got he's got a um, you know young son, and um, yeah, just a, re- a really rough a really rough um, you know moment for him. Um, but the fact that the fact that the NRL has chaplains that can come alongside, and the club were um, like Jermaine was in the bubble, so the fact yep. that we were able to get uh, around him and help him and support him, um, you know. The, the club allowed that was unbelievable and yeah. um yeah it's a um it is one of those moments where um, would yeah. you say you're a mercy hearted person Andy I would yep. yeah yeah I would yeah yep. so how do you stay fueled I guess in terms yep. of because you know if you if you're getting around uh, people at the club players yep. uh, players wives that yep. kind of thing yeah um obviously you know there's there's something that you need to be able to give out yep. where, where are you looking to I guess for for inspiration to make sure that when you're in those environments yeah you know, you're not just drudging up the, the dregs, you're actually yep. giving them something of worth yeah. that they can take away with. Um, one of the things that I like, I, I often kind of, I drive down, there's a, there's a road, a certain road I drive down every time I go to um, yeah, our facility. Um, and, and really all I do is I just pray a, a quick prayer as I'm driving down. Uh, I know it's a, it's a T3 land that I'm never meant to be in, but I'm always in because <laughs> um, it's the quickest way to get to the club. Um, but I, I, just, I drive down and I just, I, I honestly just say a prayer and, like, and it, goes, it goes by, um, God, just give me, give me open doors today as I go into the club. Um, and to be honest, like that, even though it's like something small, every single time I pray that prayer, I feel like I go into the club and I do get open doors, and that helps me. Um, so it is. It's moments of like moments of quick prayer that have allowed me. I guess allowed me to, um, you know, offer mercy, offer grace to these guys that have either just been dropped from a side or have been, um, you know, just feeling feeling like rubbish. Um, the other thing as well is, um, you know, my faith just plays such a massive role in yep. in the chaplaincy um, side of things. Um, we've got a whole lot of young guys that. Um, you know, we're on a massive pedestal, whole lot of money, um, and really, like, um, it's not it's not their fault that they haven't been shown, um, you know, because they're in this this really stringent system mm. um, since they were fifteen, maybe even younger sometimes. Um, and it's not oftentimes it's not their fault they haven't been shown how to how to live right or how to do the right things with their finances or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so I often see this as my opportunity. Hey, you know what? I'm going to help these young guys um, make right choices with their life. Um, and I, like like we talked about, um, how open are they? I mean, obviously they know that you're a chaplain, yep, and so they yep. they would probably naturally assume that you have a faith. Yep. 
Have you found that to be an obstacle with some of the conversations? Um, did it take a little while for them to warm up to you? Look, yeah, like I'd be lying if if if, it, if there wasn't some opposition. Yeah. Um, or opposition is not the right word. Maybe coldness is probably yeah. the right word. And and I don't like there's I don't walk out of there offended because players you know were cold to me. Yeah. Um, the one thing about elite athletes, they have a lot of people wanting a lot of things from them yeah. all the time. Um, and so um, we've, we had to learn really quickly that, um, well, first of all, we're not there to gain, I'm, I'm there to gain nothing. I don't ever ask for, I don't want a ticket. I don't want yeah. merch. I don't want any of that stuff. Um, Cause I don't want, I don't want a player to feel like I'm there for, I have an ulterior motive yeah. or I have an agenda. Um, there's definitely been times where like, guys have been pretty cold because of my faith um i think especially when um i think when everything went down with izzy uh izzy falau that that kind of opened it up quite a bit and and that was even a moment where i had a whole lot of questions asked of me which um you know that that, like that was just a great opportunity to uh talk about faith and uh talk about what i believe and um so yeah we definitely have had there's been some some cold moments but in the general like the general um club and you know the staff um the ones that we that we know and um that we're in relationship with have been awesome super supportive and um yeah that like i feel like i'm a part of the family um which is yeah which is really cool thing that's very cool yeah mate talk to us about bobby magara yes um (laughs) which is a a clothing line that you and jade have have released yep Talk to us about that. Yeah. Okay. It's awesome. It's it's like my passion project. Yeah. Um. So, uh, my wife has like been involved in fashion pretty much since she was out of school. So, uh, very much that way inclined. Um. And I kind of always had the idea I wanted to start something. Um. I wanted to start a clothing label, but I wanted to do it. Um. There had to be some attachment to a charity or an organization sure. that wasn't just all about me making money. It yeah. was anyway. Um. So two and a half years ago, um, Pastor Steve um, allowed me to go to India and, and um, to go and see the work of Vision Rescue. Okay. Um, so I went over to Mumbai to see Biju Thampi, who's a, um, he runs a yeah, Vision Rescue, and they essentially what they do is they feed. They started off by getting um, like feeding kids in the slums, and they started um, they bought buses and they would drive these buses into the slums and. Um, uh, like it was all these like kids are run out of the slums. It's insane. Run out of the slums and they feed them. It's awesome. Um, so was this there, your first time in India? First time in India. Yeah. Um, and so uh, like my eyes were just opened. Like I went with a good mate. And did I you get Delhi belly? Uh, I didn't. <laughs> Funny story. So with a guy, we're there. We got told do not eat anything from the street vendors. It just won't sit well with you. Yeah. So we're running to a meeting. We we I think we missed the meeting. And so the guys like, oh, we'll just we'll go to McDonald's and just get. And McDonald's is safe in India. Um, <laughs> McDonald's well, is safe anyway. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so we go to McDonald's. We go to McDonald's, and this guy who will remain nameless, um, he just doesn't get Maccas. Yeah. And we, we think, oh, he must be out of the car. And we have our food, go out of the car. We walk out of the car. Here comes this guy, and he's eating an ice cream from a vendor. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, oh, this is not going to go well. So let's just say the next three days, um, he was not on our. He was not with us at all. He was in his he bathroom. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> so he um, he had deli belly hard for three days. So. <laughs> So and all the side effects that come exactly, with that. Exactly, yeah, which which we don't need to talk about. But it's a G-rated podcast, exactly, so we'll keep it there. Exactly. Um, so I went there, and I just I remember my eyes were open. I remember on the plane back texting my wife, just saying like, um, "We have got to do something here. Like, mm. we just we, we've got to be able to support these guys." What like, was it? What was it that I guess was there a moment, or just um, was it the whole time you were over there that really oh, spoke man, to you? Like, 
I, I got there's a I think there might be a photo on my Instagram. I met a young girl. Um, we're out at this like I think we went out to have dinner one time with all our people, and this little girl came up with like a thousand. Oh, I shouldn't have a thousand, like a hundred balloons. Mm. And um, I'm like, oh, don't buy a balloon. I'll help her out. No worries. And the guy, our host, was with us. Said, don't buy a balloon. Mm. Um, she doesn't keep the money. And like, obviously, I knew poverty. I knew child exploitation. But I just, I was like. It just didn't just it didn't like register with me until mm. I saw it. Yeah. Um, and this little girl literally followed us the whole like the whole night around, and we ended up playing like scissor paper rock. We taught her how to play scissor paper rock, and th- that moment for me was um, how, like, how do we help this young girl? Mm. How how do what can I do like in my comfortable life in Australia? How can I help? And um, I genuinely believe Vision Rescue play a part in helping her. Yeah. Um, so. Um, it was a moment like that. So, you know, flew back. And um, so two weeks after I flew back, I knew, I knew that I wanted to, um, I knew that I wanted to start this label. I knew that I wanted um, proceeds to go towards Vision Rescue. I didn't have a name. Um, two weeks later, I'm at church. I, we did like a Friday Night Live, which is like a real, um, it's like where we kind of, um, like we, we, we take the gospel and we make it, um, we like, we'll like drum it up heaps and we'll do that whole lot of theatrics to it. Right. Anyway, a whole lot of fun. Our Friday Night Lives are awesome. So I did a Friday Night Live and a guy came up to me and said, oh, I just want to say thanks so much for uh, your message. I'm like, oh, no worries. Like, you know, enjoy it. What do you do? Blah, blah. He's like, yeah, I got, I got saved last week in church. First time in church. I'm like, this is awesome. Um, I asked him, I said, well, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I'm just getting out of careers. I'm like, oh, like, what did you used to do? And straight away, he's like, oh, um, I was a stripper. And I'm like, whoa. I didn't expect that just yeah. straight off the bat um, and I, I was like blown away by it. I was telling that story to a friend um, and he's like he's, he's like oh that's amazing and he's like did you ever like um, make up your like your stage name I'm like no I never made up my stage name I never did that as a kid and he's like oh we used to do it as kids I'm like you had a weird childhood um, <laughs> but he's like if you um, if you na- your first pet and your first street name right. um, is your stage name and so we're going around and there's all these random names going around and um the name that I came up with was Bobby Magara. Right. Um, and I'm like, oh, that works. Yeah. And like straight away, I'm like, that's what we're going to name the clothing label. Yeah, wow. So what, what's, what's, your, what's your first pet's name? Uh, Deza was his first name. Do you <laughs> remember the ferals? Do you remember the yes, ABC yeah, yeah, puppet yeah, show? Yeah, yeah. And there was Deza the dog, the, yeah. the, the, the dumb dog. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was Deza, my dog. Deza, and what was your first street name? Uh, South. Deza South. There you go. Well, there you go. It, it might that's be quite a, strong, it isn't it? It might be a clothing label. There you go. Um, so that's how the name came about, and um, and so yeah, we just it's it is just a it's a passion project that we're doing, yeah. um, that we absolutely love, and um, yeah, it, it's- I think what's what's cool about it, and what I've what I love about it is, mate, is um, you said that you're passionate about it, yeah, but you've actually done something about it, yeah, and yeah. I think that's actually quite rare, yeah, in a lot of people. We can be passionate about a whole bunch of stuff, yeah. you know. I'm passionate about the injustice. I'm passionate yeah. about it, but then often the the harder step is actually taking that passion, yeah. And and turning into action and actually yep. being decisive and so I think if I've if I've read your website correctly, yep. what happens is a portion of every yep. sale of yep. um, clothing goes yep. to the work of Vision Rescue. Is that's that right. right. Yep, that's yep. correct. Yeah. And what's the website just for people if they're so, interested in, so in purchasing the name? So the name is just bobbymagara.com. So B O B B Y M O G A R A. So it's on my like it's on my uh, my Instagram bio, but. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's and cool. who does a lot of the design? Is it you or Jade, mate? Actually, it's um, we have a guy, a guy that I grew up with. Um, so I kind of come up with some concepts. Um, everything is run by Jade, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I have some concepts that um, we send to a guy who's a good mate of mine. He actually lives in Canada at the moment. So he kind of comes up with the design. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it's uh, it's it's a it's a definitely a collaborative effort between me and Jade. But she's the one that signs off on everything. So yeah, very cool. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Andy, I want to thank you so much for joining us on our very first episode of Civic Sound. No um, we've talked life, we've talked leadership, and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And we hope you listening at home or wherever you are, tune into this maybe on the way to work or maybe at home watching it on YouTube. Um, it's been it's been a great first episode. Awesome. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, we look forward to episode two. Thanks so much, mate, and no safe travels home. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.